0: Stupid! He comes across
1: in front of me every single time he
0: overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the break zone. Yes, this show is still weekly despite having nothing to talk about. Welcome to a show about nothing. It's time for Seinfeld. Wait, Motorsport 101. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You are the world champion!
0: Good evening and welcome to episode 98 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr Andre Harrison, and um, we're only two away from 100 episodes on the Motorsport 101 network. That is ridiculous to say the least we do have a couple of things planned up in the build up to like 99 100 and 101 we've all got some stuff planned for them. so uh well actually take that back 101 i've got nothing for yet if i'm being honest with you that like, king has prodded me on this and i've still not come up with anything yet so if you have suggestions
2: i have something or- yeah i have go- something go- 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 no-
0: we might as we'll as on introduce her to the podcast. She's back for the fourth time it's Zoe Hamilton. Hello, Zoe.
2: Hello, you're not getting rid of me.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's part of the she's 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 like she's like the purple patch on the on like over the, the broken settee you now get on part of the set. Um it's Zoe's spot now. Yes. How you doing, Zoe? And what's your creative idea for episode one hundred
2: and one? I'm not gonna say. It's gonna be a surprise.
0: I hate surprises <laughs>
1: Well, if
2: my mic didn't cut out earlier and I had to swap to my other headset, you would have heard my plan.
1: Mm.
0: King already
2: knows about it because I mentioned it to him last night.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why are you people keeping me out of the loop on this?
3: Because someone is not on a Discord.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, excuse me. (laughs) Hello Ryan King, welcome back to the show. Yes, yes, it has been
3: an uh, uneventful week in terms of racing stuff. Other stuff like athletics has definitely been eventful.
0: Yes, and you can absolutely guess what my keeping it one hundred one is. To be fair, I already kind of leaked it out on the podcast Twitter. Um, but yeah, like you probably would have seen this coming um, because I've been talking about this a lot on my personal Twitter the last couple of weeks, and I have some takes that the world needs to hear. Um, so that's going to be fun. But yeah, as King has already professed, and, if it, and regular listeners to the show probably know, we got nothing for this week. <laughs> really. The square root of F-all or, or, um, happened, in really, in motorsport this past weekend, unless you're a fan of Global Rallycross, I suppose. That's whoa, coming whoa, up this or, weekend.
3: Or, yeah, coming up this weekend. Or NASCAR, which happened at at
0: the Glen this past weekend. Martin Truex Jr. Lol. Um, next.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, um, yeah, as I was saying, unless you're a fan of the Penske games, you haven't really missed much this past week. So... We're going to have a, a slightly longer keeping it one-on-one than usual. We're going to talk a little bit about more of the Halo developments, a little bit about the Hungaro wing test we had after the race weekend itself, and then we'll be answering a heaped edition of your mailbag questions. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody in the mailbag, for sending your stuff in this week. You may have literally saved this podcast this week. So uh, give yourselves all a pat on the back if you're listening. I don't care if you're on the underground and it looks awkward. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> um do it now! Um, but, uh... it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be
3: the most awkward thing to happen on a subway. No. No, it wouldn't.
0: <clears throat> but uh... <laughs> Let, Let's host our
3: own Royal Rumble on a subway, Dre. <laughs> I saw that
0: video and I was just like, what is this? I, th- I never knew I needed this in my life and now I want more. <laughs> oh my god find Ryan King's Twitter for what for, to, to hear what I'm talking about um, at Ryan Eric King um, to get the general housekeeping out of the way you can find us we're on youtube.com forward slash 101. and in case you missed last week's show with our interview with Carlos Munoz the whole thing is up there on YouTube for free who says we don't look after you on this show? So yeah, the Cars Munoz podcast episode is is basically, the interview itself is now on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook, uh, like our page at facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. You can follow us on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, where we, where we found out Daly is a big fan of shooting his shots. <laughs> In <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> more ways than one. In more ways than one. I, you know, given given that he was hitting on a porn star, I guess if the boot fits, right? <laughs> Shoot your shot, Connor. Shoot your shot. Go get it, big fella. Go get it. Um, and if you're getting your follow us at our personal Twitters, at Harrison101HD, um, at Ryan Eric King, and at Zoe. It's exactly how you think it's spelled. And if you really, really want to back us and you want to like us that much, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com. Forward slash motorsport one hundred and one. If you back us at the five dollar level, you are also you get early access to both this show and the bike live, which again will return later this week. A big big weekend of bike racing, including the very very entertaining Bruno weekend as uh, Mark Marquez outsmarted the entire field of MotoGP yet again, and a BSB weekend at Fruxton where Shaky Burn somehow didn't win either race. I'm as shocked as you are. All of that and more on Bike Live this weekend as well. So, without further ado, let's get into keeping it one on one. So, give it a one-on-one. So, King, if you have got anything for this week, or do you want me to just to lead off on this one? Yeah, just lead off on this one. I'm not. I'm not sure if I have anything this week. You, we, we could. We could all play off me this week. It's like it's fun. Like, I, get, I get to bring you all in for tight, warm embraces, and we can sit down and talk about the purest form of athletic competition together. It's great. But like, 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 uh, Zoe, get the get the kettle going. We we'll have some hot chocolate going around in a minute. <laughs> Hot cocoa in with, with Drake. Right, one of the championships is, is going on as we speak. It's been going by the time this podcast goes out. I think it will probably be done. I think I think Wednesday's the last day. Um, but um, the breaking news, King, Usain Bolt didn't win. The world is over. Oh my God, he didn't <laughs> win his final race. Sad face.
3: Uh, if, if this like, is pro-wrestling, it would be expected, but yeah. this is not pro-wrestling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 like, we need that black guy that reacted to a losing his first match in the, in the, in the stands, like, <gasps> Usain Bolt didn't win! Oh my god, the world is over! Track and field is done! And, um... Yeah, jeez. Uh, like, fun story, Like for those guys that follow me on Snapchat, at Harrison101HD, if you want to add me on that... Um, I was live snapping a lot of a lot of that day's events on my page, and it was greatly entertaining, I have to say. And um, like me and my uh, my cluster manager at work, even I work at a bookies. Like we, a lot of us are all sports nuts, so we just wired up four of our phones together and watched the hundred meter final together, and we were all in shock. (laughs) Like (laughs) we were like oh my god, Justin Gatlin's won. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. It's like,
3: but, like, I'm feeling like other times that reaction was used, the phrase has either gone, oh my god, the Death Star just blew up Alderaan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gatlin winning in all the wrong places. But oh <laughs> um. Sorry, I had, to, I had to do it. Uh, but yeah, like we we were all sitting, like we were all on WhatsApp, just like just messaging together, and we were all just in shock. Justin Gatlin was twenty-five to one to win that race. Like it was between Bolt and Coleman under the bookies, and like Bolt was still an odds-on favourite, despite not looking particularly good at all at any given round. And we all thought, I, I, I was dead sure Coleman was going to beat him. I was, I was that sure Coleman was going to be on my money on it and everything. I had like 30 quid on Coleman to win that final. And I was sitting there just going, Come on, Coleman, just bring it home. And it's like, Wait, where's the other American? That's Gatlin! No! <laughs> 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 and then, oh, like, I. I King, like, I, I don't know if you've seen that race, but have you ever seen the noise get sucked out of a stadium so quickly? Nope. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
2: no. God. Oh. That was just like. You you could tell who like the fans were or the people in the stadium were wanting to win and wouldn't mind winning and didn't want to win.
0: Yeah, it was like because the thing is, it's like okay, you, like everybody was there for Usain Bolt. they obviously, they're, of being British, they were there to cheat to cheer on Reese Prescott, that also made the final, representing Great Britain in lane nine. Um, and then there was a, there was a, there was obviously there was cheers for Johann Blake because you know, the, the Jamaicans love Blake by affiliation. But Justin Gatlin was getting audible boos all throughout the tournament. And then again, when he got his medal the next day audible boos could be heard when, when like, 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 there was some respectful applause afterwards, but you, you could hear boos. Lots and lots of boos, and you could tell the BBC video department were really, really upset about this one, because it was like, shit, we can't have our, like, our, 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 our bolt-winning ten gold medals montage now. We've got to throw it in the trash. How are we going to react now? Justin Gatlin's won. But this is exactly what we didn't want to happen. Although if you follow BBC Athletics and their coverage in the past, this is kind of what they were secretly hoping for because they've made a very, very good job of painting Justin Gatlin to be like the, the Archduke nemesis of everything doping and everything that we hate about doping. We've all channeled it into Justin Gatlin when really, King, that's just not really fair, is it?
3: No, it's not really fair because... It's like, it's almost as if they were booing, as if he was doping during that race. <laughs> yeah. But well, we forget. Yeah, that didn't you see
2: him, like, was... shooting himself up?
0: <laughs>
2: Having a quick <laughs> shot before, as he stood on the start line.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, like, 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 Justin, the syringe is in your butt. We can all see it. Um, no, but it's. You're right. Like That second Gatlin suspension, I think, was 2012. I think it was was, was when that was finished. And I remember he was in the 2012 Olympic Stadium for the 100 metre final that day, too, where he won the bronze medal. Nobody booed him then. So what's the difference? And as Michael Johnson quite rightly pointed out, who, by the way, is the best sports pundit I can think of on TV on a regular basis, Michael Johnson... Is the god for obvious reasons because he's Michael Johnson. He's like he's quote please...
3: unquote the world's fastest man.
0: Like King, we need to adopt him. He's ours now. <laughs> <laughs> he's ours now. He's too. He's, he's too good for you pesky Americans. <laughs> we can we keep him? <laughs> he, he's <laughs> really. <laughs> he's really great at sports stuff. Um, but yeah, Michael Johnson said, "Listen, like he had no chill. He said it right in front of everybody on the BBC. This is our fault." We basically made Gatlin the enemy. Like, we as the media, like two years ago in Moscow, were basically saying that this was good against evil. That, you know, we've, we like, we put all our eggs in the Justin Gatlin, you know, basket for being like the face of doping. When, like, as a Jamaican, I have no problem openly admitting, like, three quarters of our team has failed at least one drug test in their careers. Like, Johan Blake. Failed the drug test. Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. Failed the drug test. Brackets. It wasn't for a performance enhancing steroid, but she still failed one. Like, again, Asafa Powell's been done for it. Nesta Carter's been done for it. Every sprinter you can think of, apart from Bolt, in the golden age of Jamaican track and field, has done as pissed hot at least once in their careers. Like... We are hypocrites to yeah. be booing someone like Gatlin because, like, three quarters of our team are dopers. <laughs> you know. And, like, I, I, I don't want
3: to get, like, into tinfoil hat territory, but it's oddly suspicious that Usain Bolt is retiring at age 30.
0: Yeah, and Gatlin just became world champion at 35. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I it's... know, like,
3: Michael Johnson didn't retire till he was 33, and that was only because of injury. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, he just had too many injuries off after two thousand. But yeah, like you're absolutely right. Like Bolt, like I know Bolt's got a curved spine, which has caused him problems. He's always had that, and but you could tell, King. I think Bolt is like Bolt's not the same guy he was. You could tell he's not got that two thousand and nine top end drive phase anymore. Where he could recover from all those bad starts he had. Yeah, and and. Like, you're not going to have like four more years of Bolt running nine nines to appease the great Bolt fraternity that he's created in the last, you know, these nine years of dominance that he's had over the years. But like, if you haven't seen it already, I highly recommend if you can find it on BBC iPlayer, the day four, like the day three morning coverage when Steve Cram is sat on the same bench as Michael Johnson. And Michael Johnson basically tears Steve Cram a new <laughs> say Like they say, yeah, it was, it was basically your fault. <laughs> and like Steve Cram tries to walk back a lot of this his, his biased commentary um, regarding pro-Bolt in the past. Because like, the 2015 world title where, he, where Gatlin stumbles and Bolt just beats him over the line. Like, and, like, Steve Cram is bellowing at the top of his lungs. He saved his title. He saved his reputation. He may have even saved the sport. And it's like, wow. You guys really did throw Justin Gatlin under a truck. <laughs> Not even a bus. Like, <laughs> you threw him under a truck. Like, they made him the face of doping. And it is so bad. And, like, Steve Cram is shameless. I've said it, no problem. Like, he, he had no shame. It's like, Steve... You can't walk this back. They've been playing montages of those races for the last three days. We can all see and hear it, man. It's crazy. And Oh Well, geez, to be it's... fair, their
2: only other like when it comes to the doping would ha- be the Russians and I don't think are there any of them back yet, for them to turn to villains or they're just not in the right sports sections
3: of uh, no, athletics. It's... They're not allowed. Yeah, they're not allowed back because the Russian situation is a whole lot different like a whole lot different than What you normally see. Uh, There's actually like a documentary that's out this week about it called Icarus on Netflix. But pretty much the reason why like all the Russian athletes are banned, it's because it was a state sponsored doping program. The Russian government was (laughs) sponsoring a doping program. That's different than one person going out there and doping.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and that again like that's why some of them have ta- are, are still taking part in this competition but as independent athletes not representing a country. Like, I don't know what the technical term for that is, but um like they, they are not representing a country. No, the is...
3: motorsport 101 term for that would be a stateless boy. <laughs> <laughs> why didn't
0: I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like stateless hawks so now we've got you know we've got stateless Russian competitors. Right. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I had to point that one out, but like, like I'm probably not going to be watching athletics on the BBC again. I'm probably going to switch to Eurosport from here on in because they got Greg Rutherford over there now and he's great. Um, so, but yeah, the BBC's coverage has been pretty woeful across the board. I think this week, you know, from, you know, again, going out of their way to paint Gatlin as the bad guy when it's a lot more complicated than that. From being completely biased about Mo Farah, who's probably the most, like, least trustworthy person in athletics right now, whose coach is still under investigation by the USADA for being associated with steroids, and... King, do you, have you seen how deep this runs? Like, Mo Farah is apparently dodging media questions, and he's and he's cherry-picking journalists to take questions from now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's not looking good.
3: And like, if Mo- the fact, Ga- if he wasn't so beloved by the British public, it'd be a whole different situation.
0: Yeah, like, we adore this dude, and it's, it's bonkers how much we adore this dude now, because and it's like people don't forget this It's like Farah's career has come in two stages. He couldn't make a final to save his life until 2010. And then he joined up with Salazar. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He joined up with Salazar and then he's gone on this six year reign of invincibility. And again, he's not like he's he's training in Ethiopia where there is like no out of competition testing whatsoever to speak of in, in Ethiopia. Like, it's the same one as that 10,000-meter race as well, King, the women's one with Ayana, who, like, won that race by 250 meters, and we're all just watching, like, what the hell is this? Because, yeah, because <laughs> that's, that's the new go-to hey, sure thing sure it's not just athletics. all that
2: corny's having.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the new go-to thing to do in athletics, where you pretty much train in a country where, like, anti-doping regulations pretty much can't exist because the infrastructure is not there.
0: Yeah, Ethiopia prime example of that. You think they're gonna gonna be spending money on an anti-doping program? Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> at least it's not like in Russia
3: where it's like the anti-doping program was the doping program. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, same deal with Ayana. Same deal. Like like uh, people love okay. Mo Farah. They just they just don't want to talk about it. It reminds me a lot of Lance Armstrong, where he just had this ridiculous run of dominance. The difference was that we we all kind of knew Lance was a dick. Yeah. But Mo Farah is, like, universally beloved in this country country now. And it's like, if you speak out against, you know, these... Let's be real here. Dodgy stuff regarding Farah's career. It's like, oh, no, you're just a hater. Why can't you just celebrate greatness? And I'm like, I said on Twitter (laughs) at the time, I said, listen, if if you're booing Justin Gatlin and cheering for Mo Farah, I think you've got a problem. And... Like, of course, people are going to deny that because, like, has not failed a test. But as Lance Armstrong has proven over the <laughs> years, it's not as simple as, oh, he never failed the test. Yeah, like, well, even Lance
3: Armstrong to this day admits, yeah, he cheated, but he never failed a blood
0: test. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, like, the whole thing about, the, the, the again, the whole doping system needs to change. And... Like, the IAAF have tried harsher bans. It's not going to go through because that violates trade agreements because athletes are making money on their bodies and banning them for eight years is not going to work. Like, I've had people telling me, oh, yeah, Gatlin should have been banned for life the first time around. And I'm like, dude, the first time Gatlin got popped, it was for a pill for his ADHD. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't even performing tonight. And, and then you're telling me you want to ban that dude for life because he's got a mental illness that needs medication for on a daily basis? Like, it's not as simple as just banning them for life. Like, and
3: if, if you banned every single person who violated any uh, AAAF rule, like, it would be a completely different story where people are like, oh, you completely taken away this person's livelihood. It would become a different story then.
2: Who exactly. was the yeah. the British Winter Olympic guy? And it was... um, He had a cold or whatever, and he got vexed. And while the Vicks rub in Britain didn't contain some sort of banned substance, the Canadian one did or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it was Adam Baxter who won. I think, I think it was a bronze or silver medal in the skiing at one point. I think that was 2002 or something like that. I remember that. That was like one of my. That was my first Winter Olympics I watched. It, it was Adam Bax. I think he was the only guy that brought home a medal for us in those games because we're not winter dudes, even though we have terrible weather here. Um. Unless it's curling,
2: we're good at we're we gen- we're generally good at the curling. We're getting so we are.
0: We, we we're good at curling and we're good at throwing people down a tea tray and a very long icy slope. <laughs> <apparently>. <laughs> Shout out to Chelly Rubman and Amy Williams. Cool like, motherfuckers, like
3: <laughs> AKA Holiday in Norway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I apparently mean, we're really good at racing T-Trace who knew but um, yeah like I said like I, I had to point that one out regarding yeah regarding Gatlin and I think that there's a level of double standards that come with that again the BBC are never going to mention Mo Farah in a negative light because he's pretty much paying for all their checks at the moment um, given how big a star is he's probably the second biggest star in all of track and field behind Usain Bolt at this point and you know that's not going to change anytime soon King, as as Jamaicans, how pissed off were you at last night's women hundred meter final? <laughs> uh, <laughs> frustrating. You weren't as. You weren't as bad because you had the American Tory Bowie basically win it on a run through the tape moment. Yes, <laughs> yes. With the best lean I have. To be fair, from Tory Bowie, that was the best lean I have ever seen. Like, that was a beautiful lean from Tory Bowie. And then, like, me and Brother Ryan were both watching that and we both shouted out, run through the tape! Like Chris Webby did on the inside of the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> run through the tape in life! <laughs> as Tory Bowie um, won went, went the Winslow medal. But, a late, like, it's still not been established what happened to Elaine Thompson in that final. And mm-hmm. I was pissed. <laughs> like, King, again, I had 30 quid. Elaine Thompson, like, to go under 10.9 seconds. That was that was the easiest money I will ever make in my life. Nope. <laughs> it's like she walked on a banana peel 50 meters in. <laughs> I was livid. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you, you get in
3: that, you know, sprinter's rhythm and just something knocked her out of it. And she was just gone.
0: She was just not in the race anymore. Sad face. Sad face. Lane Thompson like finishes in fifth. And she didn't even explain it to to Phil to Phil Jones who was interviewing her afterwards. She was just like, Ah oh, yeah, I'm happy, I'm healthy. Props to all the other women's like Elaine answer the fucking question. <laughs> I was I was just really bitter about the whole thing. And yeah, just I was pissed off over Elaine Thompson. You have no idea. Not only because I had money riding on it, because like that's like Jamaica—that was Jamaica's best shot at a gold medal the whole game. So, like yes, even more so than Usain Bolt. Like Elaine Thompson was the one surefire gold medal right there and then. Like it's like like Thompson was a better chance to win gold than than Bolt did. I mean bookies talk. Thompson was one to seven to win that final. One to seven, like Usain Bolt was two to five. Like that's that's the difference we're talking here. Thompson was a banker, like it, it, like that was a surefire thing. Nope,
1: <laughs>
0: nope. <laughs> like like it was too, it was doubly bad because not only did we lose money on the lane Thompson, but um, you, you know, brother Ryan. Yeah. Did I tell you? Did I tell you that he's got like the biggest crush on Daphne Skippers? <laughs> really? Yeah, he loves Daphne Skippers. You have no idea. <laughs> like, like brother Ryan has got an unhealthy crush <laughs> on, 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 on. Like, it's about as bad as your one over Simona. It's it or basically all of Twitter over Simona, but. Uh, <laughs> But like seriously, like he was so gutted that she didn't win, and I said, I said to Ryan, "Look, wait for the two hundred; she'll win that." <laughs> but of course, Ryan was keeping the dream alive at the double, like like she did two years ago. Not quite.
1: Not
0: quite. <laughs> so yeah, like by the time this, by the time um, this this podcast is finished, we'll find out if Laura Mir wins in the fifteen hundred, which is like. Great Britain's best hope of a medal not named from Mo Farah, pretty much. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Like, by the end of this podcast, I'll tell you if she's won or not, because it's happening in about an hour's time. <laughs> so, yeah, i have got quite it in the background on my TV just in case. But, um, King, pack the bus. I think it's over, Jamaica, man. It's over. It's over. <laughs> it's like, ah. Uh, I... I wanted to do my at 101 about
3: something track and field related. It is going to be something track and field related, but it's like doing a bit of research. I was surprised about the countries with the most caught dopers in the year 2014. And I was surprised that, number one, uh, of the countries in the top ten... Um, of the countries in the top ten, neither Jamaica or the United States are in the top ten.
0: Wait, so... If it wasn't Jamaica, and if it wasn't the guys in the U.S., who was it? Okay, top ten from top to bottom. Number one country for
3: dopers. The Russian Federation with 148 people caught. (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) Only 148. (laughs) Italy (laughs) is in second with 123.
0: (laughs) Italy? Jesus.
3: Then we got India sitting pretty on 96.
0: India, wow.
3: Belgium, 91.
0: Somebody drug test TM.
3: <laughs> France, also on 91. France, okay. Then Turkey, 73. Okay. Then both Australia and China
0: at 49.
2: Australia?
0: Australia. <laughs> yes. Wow. Our Aussie cousins are at the doping. <laughs> then brazil
3: at 46 and Mm -hmm. south korea at 42 damn that's interesting that is genuinely interesting (laughs) like of course you're like oh of course russia's do like russia has a lot of people
0: doping but it's like a lot of other countries you didn't expect to have a lot of people doping the italians (laughs) jesus that is that is a surprise to me. Jeez, um, but um, yeah, there you go. A lot of interesting stuff in there. But I think
3: um, the most interesting story in athletics right now, besides uh, the the like the the IAAF trying to define like what gender actually means, <laughs> the IAAF like should we really be ba- like how long should this Russian ban be going for? No, the most interesting story right now is. Should they reset their record books? Because I think it was earlier this year, and it's still like a reoccurring thing that they're trying to decide on whether to throw away any record, any world or European record set before two thousand five.
0: Wow.
1: Why two thousand five?
3: Because the let the rules on doping, like they still have blood samples from all the way back up to, like, I think the 1980s, I believe. and Jesus. Ju- just so they could like, retest them later on. And they're just so afraid of retesting all those samples for all those world records that they, they just feel like we might as well just scrap
0: the whole thing. <laughs> Jesus. It's like, basically just push the reset button on anything from 12 years ago or more. That's... That would wipe out a lot of, like, the West Germany records, given that, you know, it, it's been known they're on testosterone. East Germany. East Germany. East Germany. East Germany. Sorry. Wrong one.
3: Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> uh, like Flojo's record, Florence Griffin Joyner's record, like, uh, it was... Oh, Flojo. She, she didn't dope, but it's most likely, it's almost certain that her record was wind-assisted.
0: Wind well king it's like she ran 100 meters in 10.49 seconds you might have had a tornado behind her at that point i mean holy shit
3: (laughs) yeah but it's the fact that there's a debate on whether they should do it at all uh other people are arguing whether it should be a partial reset where they just re where they retest every record holder and if they were caught doping by modern standards, that would be scrapped, and a lot of people don't like that. Because, basically, you're just... Instead of admitting that there was, like, a system-wide problem, you're just throwing individuals under the bus. Right.
0: Just... That's interesting. I that know, is interesting.
3: Like, in Formula One, we kind of have this issue, like, any time we change the testing regulations, like, do the track records still count? <laughs>
1: Hmm,
0: that's interesting, I'm not sure how I feel about that, Um, because that's the thing, like for me, the thing with doping is there'll always be guys trying to push the envelope, and like, the game is always evolving, from athletes and training standards all the way through to doping and how to beat it, it's a constant tug of war. I mean, look at look at, like I, I remember listening to an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience with 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 Victor Conte on it, and Victor Conte for those guys that don't know, used to run Balco, and like Conte admitted like three quarters of the U.S. team at the eighty eight games were part of his program. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: like like that was one thing. He was in charge of Project Nine Point Seven Nine, which was the project to make Tim Go- Tim Montgomery the world record holder, and we all know how well that went out for him. Um, so yeah like the game is always evolving when it comes to doping as well as track and field in general is that you will like i don't think you'll ever be able to fully keep up with doping and even if you did would you want to yeah
1: because, it's like,
0: like it's i we we
3: have this in formula one but it's not to this like moral extent because doping hmm. doping like it's literally unhealthy like anytime i see some yeah. people going out of there like oh we should have like a separate olympics where they're allowed to dope I'm like no that's not a good thing because literally people would die yes people would die
2: i mean it's right. kind of insane but you consider like where the early methods for women to dope was basically get pregnant and abort the baby
3: oh my god
0: oh jesus that was where the yeah. early
2: ways for women to dope was basically get pregnant
0: have lots of sex. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, not pretty. Um, yeah, like I said, it's like, would you really, like, do you really want to open Pandora's box as bad as you think when it comes to doping? It's like, I'm not sure you do.
3: Yeah. And, like, I, I, like, we in Formula One, we have, you know, the teams trying to push the technical regulations to the limit. Like, for the most part, yeah. there isn't an issue, there
0: isn't a moral issue behind that. Right, exactly. And in, in doping, People will die off this stuff. I mean, I know she, it, it, we'll, we'll never know for sure whether f- someone like Flojo was on it, but, I mean, she didn't even make her 40th birthday. Like, it's it, it raises an eyebrow of suspicion, uh, no matter which way you slice it, because she was a ridiculously good runner. I mean, like, no one's ever going to run 10.49 seconds ever again. L- like, yeah. not even close. Like again, like we're seeing, like Elaine Thompson might be the fastest woman we've seen in a decade, and she's running ten seventy. Like we're not even close to that point yet. And, and then we and, might. We might and like, the the only
3: argument I would ever have, like on the side that the regulations are too strict, or is the the sub two argument, where you know Nike had the whole uh, sub two program, an, an attempt to basically have a sub two hour marathon and they tried to do that at Monza but it wouldn't yeah. have counted it as an official record because yes, the runners were clean, but the
0: equipment they were using were not legal mm-hmm. So what is anybody doing to try and get that time under two hours? It's impossible, so see... you're, you're not you're not Yeah, it's like, I was, I was, gonna, say, I was gonna say like, what, what were they doing to try and get it to that point? Because
3: uh, basically like... uh, more efficient running shoes so Generally, when you, when you run in any shoe, there's always two things that are going to slow you down. Number one, weight. Weight on the shoe is important. Like, the heavier the shoe is, the slower you're going to go. And win resistance. So, basically, you want the most aero-efficient shoe possible.
0: Right. And then, of course, running it around ones which is basically a flat surface is bound to help as well, right?
3: Yes. Yes. It's going to mm. help. Also, uh, full body suits are also banned. So, yeah.
0: Right. So, yeah, like, basically bending every rule in the book to try and artificially create a sub-two-hour marathon when... I think they failed, didn't they? I think it was, like, two minutes, sort 29, I think it was, something like that? Two yeah. so that was 29 seconds, something like that? Yeah, yeah,
3: they were close. They just couldn't get it, and that's bending every rule in the book with
0: the fastest marathon runners on Earth. <laughs> yeah. It says it all, really. And, like I said... This is how it's going to be now. And, yeah, like... Athletics is going to have some problems. I mean, again, its biggest, most marketable start it will ever have is now... He's got one race left in his career, and that's the 4x1. And, spoiler alert, they're probably not winning gold on that because their team is trash. Um, Trust me on this. They will not win gold. And Um,
3: And that's just talking about, like, the just big picture about the rule changes, like... Mm. obviously certain individuals are opposed because their records would be scrapped. Mm-hmm. Like
0: uh, Paula Radcliffe, she is not happy if this would have come into effect. So what do you mean I had to beat I had to run against all these Ethiopians and now I'm going to my record away too? Oh no, she holds
3: the <laughs> European record. European record would be scrapped.
0: Oh God, yeah. Jeez. Um, that would be a problem. Um, yeah, so like... God, do you... Yeah, it's like... I, for what you said, I think the entire system needs to change. Changing the record books is not going to solve that problem. It's like, it's like putting a plaster over a gaping head wound. It's, it, you, you've, you've torn the scab off, and now you've got to deal with what you've got left afterwards. Because, like, doping and athletics has gone hand in hand for fifty years. Like, you're not going to get rid of that history, no matter how much you try, and. Yeah, it's like we're gonna have like more and more records broken because you're gonna discover more and more guys breaking the system like this. It's inevitable. I mean, like you said, two years ago, over a hundred people from one country were caught doping. It's 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 ridiculous. So this it's embodied into track and field. I'm not saying you gotta let them dope, but if if you if you're gonna go harder on this, you're gonna have a lot of people in there that's not gonna enjoy the show as much. And the thing is, there are
3: people not enjoying the show now, like, like despite yeah. being clean, Justin Gatlin's still getting booed, and, like, the, the IAAF have no idea what to do about it, because, like, they feel like maybe they can get some good faith back by resetting the record book, and, like, it makes some people happy, but obviously
0: no it won't because i mean you, you look at the, you look at the grand scheme of things right now like i said gatlin was was like they tried to move gatlin's medal ceremony so it was off like off live tv because they didn't want the booze being broadcasted it was obvious but yet the bbc went half an hour early in, to counter program so they could get gatlin's medal ceremony in this until the booze came out and that's exactly what happened so like you're not going to be able to avoid this like you like it's the elephant in the room at this point and it's going to cause some problems, and it's and again, like again, you, you not only the doping, but the lack of stars as well. I mean, Usain Bolt is gone, and as Michael Johnson's pointed out for a couple of years now on Twitter, it's like, well, who's the next guy? Like, you should be marketing athletics as seeing the best athletes in the world, not come and watch Usain Bolt run, <laughs> like, and like, like you look at, you look, at look at who's left. Farah retiring at the end of these games. Bolt is done. What are we all, all going to sit down and watch Wade Van Niekerk? I don't think so. Like because he's probably the the most freakish athlete we've got out there now, and like the golden era is starting to move on again. Bolt's retiring, Farah's retiring, Allison Felix hasn't got long left. You know, it's it's not looking so good now, King. You know,
3: yeah, it's not it's not looking good, and oh, like who? Why
0: why watch track and field now? I don't know. It's like it's 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 like I feel sorry for Asafa Powell in all this because like remember like Asafa Powell was the fastest man in the world for three years and nobody cared. It's it's that sort of business now because that was the three years before Bolt came along in two thousand and eight and then just reset the rulebook on what we what we knew about hundred meters and what we knew about sprinting.
3: Or like so, Maurice Green.
0: I remember Maurice Green like he couldn't keep his tongue in his mouth. Like, <laughs> Those days,
3: Jesus, it's like it's it's hard to market athletics unless you have someone that
0: is freakishly talented, and there's not many of those left in this era, really. Like you've got a few handfuls of guys out, you've got a few guys in there that are that are in the conversation, but. It's going to be a problem going forward and we'll have to wait and see how it goes. I love track and field. I always have I've been watching it for 15 plus years. I remember watching I remember watching like the Sydney games in 2000 and I still remember Kathy Freeman in the full body suit for representing Australia and running that 400. The wall just seemed to stand still for a minute or so watching that run and it was just little things like that that I just love about sports in general. And it's like what it's like. Guys like Johnson and Cram are making these narratives because they know their sport is dying. That's what it feels like right now. And, and the thing is, it's,
3: get... it's not really like it's dying. It's just like they just don't know how to sell themselves. It's almost like that that inevitable day that we always talk about on Motorsport 101. What happens to British coverage of Formula One when Lewis Hamilton retires?
2: Hmm. It's going to be We're the Joliet get... Palmer show.
0: <laughs> Get out! Get out right now! How dare you? We don't speak his name on this podcast anymore. <laughs> oh dear! But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like who's gonna, who's going to carry the torch after after Bolt? I mean, like I said, I think Wade Van Nieker might be the only guy in that conversation, and he's not got Bolt's level of charisma. He's not like the hard sell like Usain Bolt is, who totally embraced who he was when he, when he was a sprinter. He was an incredible showman. Wade's not that guy and that could again be a problem going forward even though South Africa is a sporting nation on the on the rise when it comes to track and field but uh we'll have to wait and see I swear, I guess how that plays out so let's get into a little bit of F1 stuff not not too much um, a, a little dabble a little a little seasoning before we get into the mailbag this time around but um, King, like this Halo topic, obviously is not going to go away anytime soon. And um, of course, Hungry was a was like we didn't talk about this on last week's show. We didn't really have time for it, but um, we talked about uh, the, obviously the Halo being made obviously mandatory for next season. But we didn't talk about the Thursday video briefing of why the Halo was being brought in and. Look, we had a written guide put out the week before, which, you know, people hate reading. So, you know, like, people like pictures uh, and, and videos. So we had a video, I think it was, I think it was Charlie White and who he was heading this. I didn't actually see it because I read the article itself talking about why it was, you know, why it was a thing. And I, I thought that was sufficient enough. But, um, so King, like, they had this great big video conference and they fully explained why the hell it was a thing. Well, they fully explained... They went from pretty much
3: uh, the inception of the idea of having the Halo all the way up to today, including all the testing that went into it, all the, the simulations of the, that, that they used. Uh, they also ran down pretty much all the major case studies that they used, where mm. I think they assessed the Halo in uh, a couple of different circumstances. Uh, I think... Uh, car-to-car contact, car-to-environment incidents, and pretty much any incident that you can think of uh, that they pretty much broke down and broke down into a couple of case studies. The The big ones, like, the big ones that they used were were Dan Weldon's incident, Greg Moore's incident, uh, both in IndyCar. Mm. They also did uh... Uh, Marcos Campos' uh, fatal uh, incident in International Formula 3000, GP2's predecessor. Right, right. Uh, they also did the two fatal incidents at Marussia, the Jules' fatal incident and Maria de Velota's fatal incident.
0: Right, exactly. And I'm guessing they went into detail about how this would have saved them, more unlikely. Yes, and pretty
3: much yeah. in. Like, there are, like, two minor incidents they mentioned where, like, the Halo was neither a positive or a negative. That was, like, the worst-case scenarios that they could find. But for the most part, like, every incident that they applied the Halo to and did, like, ran simulations for, like, the Halo was a net positive. Right. But, King, why didn't they have the shield? (laughs) Well, it's hard to make glass withstand, like, 15 times the weight of the car itself. Yeah,
0: that's going to be a problem.
3: The halo obviously being made out of reinforced steel and carbon fiber, like, it could actually withstand 15 times the static load of the car itself.
0: That's a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so, I'm just glad. The only thing I, I regret over this King is that we didn't get this a year ago. Or we didn't, maybe maybe it wasn't ready for that point. Maybe they wouldn't have had all the data to make it happen. But this was so necessary to me to to get this out there, just to educate the fans and, and, and to, like you know this yeah like because let's be real on a visual, this is an extreme, and you know this is an extreme compared to what we've had before. I know it isn't in the grand scheme of F one, but in the context of where we are now, this is a big visual change, and like. Better preparing the fans for this might have saved a good deal of backlash because I read the article that they put out on their website regarding this a couple of weeks ago, um, and yeah, it, it sounded it's it, it sounded reasonable, it sounded fair, it sounded credible, it was it ticked every box for me, and I think if that was put out six months, twelve months, eighteen months ago, I think people would have been would have been a bit more welcoming towards the idea of a halo as opposed to seeing this now and going everyone going, Oh, so that's why they're bringing it in and,
3: and it's not even an oh that's why moment. People are still clearly against it. Even of though like they did side by side comparisons using the FIA's own visibility standards for L M P one or the cars like the cars with the Halo have better visibility than L M P one cars.
0: And, and they have full close cockpits on them. Yes. Yeah. Um, so again the myth about visibility doesn't really hold up either.
3: They, Especially even, when George... they, they even tipped a mock up of the of an F one car with a halo over. Had an engineer in the car and the engineer was able to climb out no issue. Even like people looking at it were like, This is better because the car rests like pretty much the car is propped up by the halo, so it's actually right. easier to get out of the car.
0: Yeah, like that would have been that would have been really helpful for Pascal Verline mm-hmm. earlier this season at Monaco when Jensen Button accidentally, but very accurately, <laughs> flipped his car into a wall. Um, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, again, like I, again, I could see the purchase and I could see how that would definitely help because the halo can take the weight of the car and then some. So yeah, like like you say, it's. Like I'm fully, I was already sold on the Halo. Like this cemented it. I think it's definitely gonna, it's only gonna get better as time goes on. Of course, as more research and more time, and you know the teams are able to apply what they think is is a better idea as well. I mean, again, these are the some of the smartest people in sports. They know what they're doing. They will, they will find a way to make this work on a greater scale for everybody. But again, I, I just feel like this should have happened earlier, and I think. I think the FLA needs to do a slightly better job of communicating with fans. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we as fans are often ignorant to this sometimes, and I think sometimes we can't help ourselves. <laughs> I'll be the first guy to admit this, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I think the FA could have done this earlier. I really do. And again, it might have saved some of the slightly understandable fan backlash, but at the same time... This is also gonna be a very hard fan base to convince on this. And well, King, we're not gonna convince anybody here, but you might as well try. So Jackie Stewart chipped through in his two cents, didn't he? Oh
3: yes. Jackie Stewart. Yeah, he in ahead of the launch of the, the great British Racing Drivers season on UK TV, he pretty much put out his belief about the Halo out there. And it was intense to say the least. <laughs> Like, quote, my view is if you could save a life and if some of these people, if they had been to as many funerals as I've been to and wept as much as I have and seen close friends die, they wouldn't object. That's all finished because we've got technology that's taken away. I'm afraid I don't have a negative of the halo. I read the correspondence comment columns that say that this is the end of Formula One. I'm out of it. I can't stick with this. Well, that was people say that was like people saying Jackie Stewart's going to kill motor racing because of track safety.
0: <laughs> I can't believe back then people were saying that Jackie Stewart's going to kill the sport by somehow making it safer. People actually believed that shit back then. It's, uh, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I give the human race too much credit sometimes. Clearly, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's. You know what it's like, King. I mean, we joked about this before we went on the air, but it's like some people are so protective over what they think is the sanctity of Formula One that you know any idea to make the sport safer, which is inherently and basically un- like justifiably a good thing. Like there's, there's, like there's having the halo is not going to affect the racing. It's only going to affect the placebo in our heads that cars have to look pretty, which is a subjective thing anyway. Yeah. And it is universally regarded to be safer than what we have right now. And as I, I said before, so these are some of the same fans that were, were, were weeping and are still justifiably upset for Jules Bianchi two years ago because it was the second. It was the second anniversary of his passing. I think it was last week or so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But at the same time, we're also like having something that you know that we've pushed. You know, hard to research something that could save future lives to similar related injuries like this, and we're like, oh no, we can't have that. Like, I just find it baffling, King.
3: <sighs> yeah, and it's like I think Jackie also he adds on, preventative medicine is con- is considerably more important than corrective medicine. Corrective medicine is also considerably more expensive than pre- preventative me- than preventative medicine. The Halo in my opinion is necessary, because Henry Surtees, got, Henry Surtees got killed, not by his wheel, but by someone else's. Well, that can happen mm. at any time. That was just bad luck. Why depend on luck?
0: Because people like to gamble. Take it from me as a guy that works in the industry. Like, people will gamble on anything. And I do mean anything. And unfortunately... In the eyes, I think, of many F1 fans, they feel that you know, their Well, the reasons why they're a Formula One fan, like the sex appeal of the cars and the thrill of the danger, like is comp- Like it's like on, it's like on a scale with that being on one side and safety being on the other, and they can't ever be equal. And I don't think that's the case. And I've said that before. I don't think people will stop watching over this. I really don't. I think. It's the same deals when people were moaning about the engine noises, you know, and they're like, oh, these car, these don't sound like the V8s or the V10s do, like, it's terrible, and it's like, well, no, and you get used to it after three rounds, and people say you can actually have a conversation during a Grand Prix now, which is inherently a good thing, so, you know, like, we as F1 fans are a very protective, defensive bunch, and, you yeah. know. Then, like, uh- I, yeah, yeah, so
2: I mean, safety's been constantly evolving. Since Jackie sort of spearheaded the campaign back in the 60s, the safety has been constantly evolving. Because, mm. go remember, like, it used to be bales of Hay, and then they brought in Amco Barriers. And then, obviously, IndyCar tournament safety, safety barriers. And then you have, like, um they got Sid Watkins to attend races to be an on-site medical person. And then, after what happened with Ronnie Peterson, where... He couldn't get to him because of the like the police and that. They put him in a car that followed the race, the first lap of the race. So if there was any big incidents at the start of the race. He was already there. Like things, we look when things go wrong. We look at why it happened. Is there anything we can do to change it? Yes, let's get it organised. That's how the sport has got safer. And uh, the thing is, it's not like you can't even say it's gotten like really safe because as it gets safer, the drivers then turn around and go, right, I can now, like, push the car that bit harder because I know if I go off the track, I'm going into a gravel pit. I'm not going into a field of trees. So I can take that dive bomb, No, I'll be fine.
3: Yeah, and I think, like, Jackie actually brings that up, where he says, there's no point in saying that the previous eras were just dangerous, and then you had to be careful and cautious, and then... When went men were men, bullshit. That is exactly what Jackie Stewart. <laughs> he said
1: Chase Stewart has no chill. And he says,
3: however, like however, if you start like he, he says that racing drivers have never changed. But if you start, but if you start taking liberties because you can have huge accidents and you know that that, you know, the other guy's going to survive, he basically says, once that goes away, you, you can't, you know, push the car to the limit. You have to drive in a in a way that you know is going to be safe. Like, he, he goes to that, you know, internet point where it's like, we want to see the drivers drive at the limit. Well, he says if the cars aren't safe, they're not going to drive at the limit.
2: I mean, don't, Ma- don't
0: get it started on Canada 2015 uh, again, King. I
2: mean, <laughs> imagine <laughs> turning around to, like, saw so the driver, like, even, like, Jim Clark, especially regarding the 1961 Monza Grand Prix, where him and Wolfgang von Tripp's wheels touched, Wolfgang's car flipped in the air, he was flung out of the car, his car flipped into the crowd and out of the crowd. Imagine yeah. if you took the Jim Clark, who's just witnessed that, who's just been in that crash, and brought him to present day where for, like, um, any flip that's happened, like, the Mark Webber and... Oh, was it Kovalainen? When he hit the back of Kovalainen, flipped, and then... Yeah,
0: when he... Yes.
2: Or, or even with Scott Dixon and Jay Howard. Like, show, like oh. this is how safe the sport is going to become. Like, like, imagine showing him that. Like, for him, that equaled death. Now you walk away from it.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Because I know, like in 1955 when the Le Mans disaster happened that was pretty much the line that was the line saying that spectators could no longer you know die at motor racing events and Jackie Stewart was the line where drivers could no longer die at motor racing events where where like the public the the public idea of motor
0: racing in terms of safety drastically changed <laughs> That might be a greater legacy for jackie stewart than the three world titles he won in just 99 career grand prix that he was he was the the voice and the beacon for safety in formula one and you know that's something that i think he can be immensely proud of because look at look how far we've come well like
3: just you know all you have to do is look at like the time where he raced where uh 1968 like, the year Jim Clark died, that was the last year where all the tracks had no safety features at all. By the time Jackie Stewart retired, you had every every racetrack had to have Armco. Every racetrack had to have a medical center. Drivers had to have medical examinations before every race. And that, the year he retired, they introduced the the five-second rule. You had to get out, you had to be able to get out the car in five seconds.
0: And that's stuff that's staples of motor racing now <sighs> Jesus <laughs> um, so you know it's it's absolutely you know it's absolutely important that we keep doing this it's, it's it's really really important and yeah hopefully it keeps hopefully that we we should never stop having conversations about safety and it again we should be more proactive about this and I'm glad that the halo is the first step in that and again again I, I just hope that's that's a thing that continues. I really do. Um yeah, I mean that is just about that for the Halo discussion. We wanted to talk a little bit of safety like, a little bit of city season stuff as well in here because uh King, it is like Felipe Massa sticking around.
3: Yeah, Felipe doesn't think he has a reason to retire at the end of the season. He thinks he's like he's as good as he's ever been. <laughs>
0: Really? Like, I mean, okay, if he is, he's not in the right car to prove it, unfortunately. Um, Because Williams is just so middle of the road right now, it's ridiculous. But, um, gosh, Felipe Massa, like... So, if you have no reason to retire now, then why were you so keen on retiring last year? Like, what changed in the last six months? I, like, I don't understand that. But. Like, I, I think
3: it might be, because in the, in motorsport.com's article, they, they ask Felipe, he, like, he replies, sure, yes, I'm in really good shape. The way I'm driving, I understand the car and everything. I have no reason not to stay in an F1, but we'll see what's going to happen. But... Adding on, Patty Lowe, who recently joined the team as her chief chief technical officer, says Felipe is world championship world champion material. We saw that from the season he was briefly world champion in two thousand
0: and eight. Oh no. You had to go there, didn't you, Patty? Like don't we don't speak about the end of two thousand and eight to Felipe. That's heartbreaking. Oh dear, like, like, are we sure Felipe Massa's still this good? Is Paddy Lowe towing the company line? Because right now, having a World Championship quality driver doesn't matter when your team's fifth best in the field right now. (laughs) Well,
3: I mean, like, the team already has one driver assigned for next year, and it's not
0: Felipe. (laughs) It's Lance Stroll, and and he's got the team's only podium so far this season. And it probably will be the team's only podium by the time this season's out. Um... But, you know, keep talking about how much of a world champion driver Felipe Massa is if it makes you feel any better, I guess, right? But um, it's funny you mentioned it because Brian Glennon asked one of two inbox questions where he goes, yeah, city season picks for F1 by team. And, like, well, let's let's run this down quickly, King, um, while we're here. I mean, Merckx, Lewis Hamilton's a free agent at the end of the year, but I don't think he's going anywhere, is he? I mean... Let's be real here. No. Yes, maybe. <laughs> I really don't think Hamilton's going anywhere. Um, Valtteri Bottas, I mean, again, Toto's already said it's a, it's a no-brainer in his eyes to get Val re-signed because, again, he's definitely, he's having a fantastic season in his own right. So I think Merckx are probably going to stay the same unless he gets the Lewis Hamilton shock retirement, which, again, unlikely. Ferrari, we're already getting strong rumours that they're going to retain their lineup for another year. Probably announcement at Monza after the break, because that's when Ferrari traditionally have at least one big announcement to make uh, on on home ground. And um, yeah, by all accounts, it's looking like Vettel and Raikkonen is going to stick around for another year. The internet is mad at this as we speak. <laughs> um, like yes, because yes, Kimi Raikkonen is still here. Uh, <laughs> he's not going anywhere. Whether you like it or not, yo. Um, (laughs) So yeah, Kimi Raikkonen is still around. So yeah, Ferrari's probably going to say the same again. Vettel's a free agent at the end of the season. Again, unlikely he'll make a move. But again, you never know. But probably Vettel will probably re-sign sometime over the summer. Um, Red Bull. Bit more interesting. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo is kind of caught with Tina Rock and a hard place. He's having a very good season, but no bigger team's going to hire him right now. And he's getting more and more on the pay slip. Verstappen apparently is getting a bit of itchy feet there, King. Like, apparently Yoss is taking a lot of phone calls right now. But I don't think they'll pull the trigger and actually make him leave.
3: I, I, I don't think he's going to leave by the fact that red bull has already employed two of his family members
0: <laughs> yeah it's like the verstappen family is on the payroll like yeah it's that like, would be that'd be awesome jas
3: verstappen is a talent scout for red bull racing and like red bull netherlands have already hired max's sister
0: oh good so, yeah, the whole family is involved now, just in case one of, the, one of the other ones turn out to be good. The Dickey City turned out to be good, too. Um, yeah, so, again, they're on the payroll, so I don't think Stappen will go anywhere, dot, 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 for now. Um, maybe if a couple more engines blow up, who knows? But, um, yeah, I think the top six will pretty much stay as they are. Force India, I mean, has, has the ship sailed on Sergio Perez, King? It's starting to feel that way to me.
3: Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to see that Sergio Perez is like a grilled,
0: grizzled veteran. <laughs> he's, only, he's only 27. It's like, we're talking about Perez, but he's like a, I think this is his sixth season in Formula 1 now, so it's like, it's he's a 100 race veteran now. Like, he's been around the block a few times, and he's still I'd say a top 8 guy in the field, but it's like has the window closed on Perez on a top seat? Because he's still really good. It's just like,
3: I, I think I, think the, I think Sergio is going to be at Force India or whatever they call themselves
0: next year for a long, long time. I think so, King. I think the part of the problem is, is that Esteban Ocon is only just finishing by now. I think that's inherently harming in Perez's stock a little bit, because Esteban Ocon looks like he's getting better by the race. But the thing um, is
3: that Esteban Ocon technically isn't a Force India driver, so... no.
0: And he's a Mercedes driver. And again, as soon as as soon as Lewis moves on or Val moves on, they'll just plug him right in because I reckon he'll be ready by then for that sort of seat. Because the guy is clearly very good. Um, he's having a very good season. Again, he he like, he knows how to bring a car home. He's he's on the brink of getting to Max Chilton's record. I think of was it thirty? So, like was it was it twenty or thirty straight races without a retirement? Um, like. Yeah, Maximum Chilton has that record right now, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Who knew? I heard heard that one during Hungary. Um, But yeah, Esteban is doing a very good job. But again, not a Force India guy. Probably will stick around for at least another year. Williams, well, going by the talk we just mentioned, King, I don't think Felipe Massa is going anywhere, do you? (laughs) No. No. I think Felipe. That world champion level driver.
3: (laughs) I think Felipe is staying put for, you know, at least one more year.
0: With, obviously, Lance Stroll sticking around. So, I don't think Williams is going to move anything. Toro Rosso. Kvyat's Carlos probably signs. out. Kvyat's probably done. I mean, I can't see them keeping Kvyat for another year. I mean, they were already talking about dumping him last year, but they reckon, they reckoned 22 was too soon, which is a startling change of form <laughs> from Christian Horner. Because um, he had no problem booting out Gaswari and Bwemi at 22, but, hey, who's counting? <laughs> um but um yeah, I I, I can't see Kiviat sticking around for another year. I really can't. Um Carlos Sainz is a problem, and he could be the one that could be the, the the big high profile potential move by the looks of it. I mean like Christian Horner is openly shopping his contract, which makes it seem to me like he's not gonna be in a Red Bull anytime soon. Well, it's there's like,
3: already one team desperate for his services.
0: Renault.
3: yeah they were desperate last
0: year i don't think robert's gonna change that <laughs> yeah i mean hulkenberg is their factory guy i don't think hulkenberg's going anywhere um Jolien, that might be the hottest seat in formula one right now for obvious reasons it's Jolien. um <laughs> it's not gone well for him this year although he has definitely gotten better as the season's gone on he's not He's not the laughing stock we all think he is. again I've said it before, I do not think Jolian is the laughing stock the internet makes him mad to be half the time. But he's I don't think he's good enough to keep his seat either. I think he's somewhere in the middle of that. But as mentioned, like Christian Horner I think I think is openly straight up saying, Well, yeah, like let's be real here. Like science has got no room at the inn. We might as well cash out on him now and sell his contract to see what we can get back out of him financially. Um, the question is, King, do Renault pull the trigger on him if they can get him at a reasonable price? Mm. <laughs> like, because Renault's got money, but is is Carlos signs that valuable an asset to a team who's still, you know, relatively unproven in a factory level seat? Well, I mean, there are
3: other other options besides, you know, getting signs or Robert Kavika for that second Renault seat. They could, they you know, try to buy out Esteban Ocon's contract. They could even, you know, decide to promote Oliver Rowland.
2: No. Yeah, so we thi- what do you mean promote but- someone? <laughs> you don't do that in F1.
0: Wait. But Zoe Stoffel Van Dorn. I know it was three years late, but still.
2: Three years late and via Japan.
0: Well, close enough. But yeah, like, like you were saying... Yeah, like, like, Oliver Rowland is a, a legitimately pretty solid driver by every measure. And it's given mean, Formula Renault 3.5 champion. He's second in the GP2 champ. champion. Sorry, Formula 2 champion, I should say. I still, get, I still can't get used to calling it a Formula 2. Um, but, yeah, like, he's second in the Formula 2 championship right now. He's run races this season. He's won races last season. He's clearly ready for it, at least in my opinion. He's ready to go for a Formula 1 seat. But <sighs> Renault... I think I'm making the McLaren mistaking. I think they're trying to win now when they haven't got the car to win now. At least that's what yeah. I get. At least I get that impression, at least. I don't know how you feel about it. But, I mean, Hulkenberg's 30 coming up very soon. And, like, is that your guy? I'm like, I'm, I, I like Hulkenberg a lot. I'm not sure whether he's the guy I want to build a team around.
3: Yeah, I don't know either. Like, it's confusing because, like, in the in the driver market breakdown, I read from Mark Hughes, who's frequently quoted by Sky Sports F one, and he writes for Motorsport Magazine. Like, mm-hmm. he, his big hinging point on the driver market is if Vettel resigns for Ferrari, which he like it's almost certain that Vettel will resign, but he pretty much has like everything at Force India, Haas and Toro Rosso staying the same.
0: Yeah, I mean, Haas has already confirmed that Grosjean and Magnussen are sticking around for another year, which, you know, much to Nico Hülkenberg's Chaglan. Um, (laughs) Also, King, did you see the picture of Robert Dornbus's Instagram the other day? No, I did not. It was a picture of him getting into a race car, and on his seat was a picture of Kevin Magnussen. Oh my god. Just while pointing that one out there. Oh my God! Robert Dornboss with no chill, no chill.
3: But basically, like, yeah, he has Kvyat staying at Red Bull. I mean, at Toro Rosso, and like, the only big thing is that second Renault seat. Uh, Felipe Massa and that question mark at Williams because there's a chance that Williams don't keep Felipe Massa and they decide, hey, someone who's out of his seat at Saber let's move him up to Williams. Oh God. Marcus Eriksson and a Williams? No,
0: no, not Marcus Eriksson. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. I wasn't joking. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's another element of this game, King, is that Sauber are probably going to clear the decks at the end of the season. I mean, Pascal Verlein looks like chopped liver, which is really unfortunate well, given how... Not yeah, he's not clear pretty...
3: the decks, clear one half of the decks.
0: <laughs> Well, you reckon Eric's going to stay?
3: Why do you think this whole situation with Manisha Keltenborn deciding to give away both their seats
0: to Honda was a big, like, job loser? Yeah, because Pascal clearly, you know, Manisha wanted Pascal more than anything else, and... It no, it was more like...
3: of the situation where it, it was fine if Pascal lost his seat because he always had Mercedes to fall back on. The issue was a certain driver could not lose his seat, and that certain driver is named Marcus Ericsson.
0: Yeah. He's extremely well-funded. Um, that's uh, going to be a he, problem.
3: Not only is he well-funded, he has a very, very close relationship with the
0: owners of the team. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> This is a problem, King. This is a problem. Especially if your name is Pascal Verline, And, so, you know, with, yes. t- with a talk, talk of mark and saying you want Sauber to be a junior team. I mean, by the looks of it...
3: So, yeah. The so, clerk? Yeah, Sauber's lineup next year is most likely going to be Marcus Ericsson and in the other seat, either Antonio Giovinazzi or Charles Leclerc. <sighs> Whew, boy. <laughs> like either Giovinazzi mm. or Leclerc, Like I, I would rather what a have. To have. I- I'd rather have both of them, but thanks, Ericsson.
0: This is gonna be a shitty situation when one really good Ferrari driver doesn't get into F one next year. Because That's of gonna Because suck. of Marcus Ericsson. Because Marcus Ericsson has to have his seat. That really sucks. I mean, we've not talked about McLaren yet either. And, and, and again, like there is a big juicy rumor floating over from the United States. Shout out it's, to Marshall Pruitt for, for this one. It's and for just for bring been it up in the chat. Um,
3: yeah, Zoe put it in the chat that it's been shut down. down.
0: <laughs> oh. Okay. The the, yes, uh, the rumor
2: that's been floating around was that Alonso was going to skip Singapore for Sonoma. And Mike Browes turned Zach. Zach Brown has turned around and went, one, Alonso hasn't asked if we can do Singapore, I'm asking if he Singapore, and two, we really would have had to have had something organised soon. And apparently there is going to be a fifth car for Andretti at Sonoma, but it's going to be for Jack Harvey.
1: Ah,
3: Jack Harvey. Yeah, but I I love Zach Brown's quote though. It's completely crazy. He would have first have to make the request through us which he is not and that Sonoma conflicts with F1 in
0: Singapore it's fake news (laughs) 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 he went there guys he went there he called it fake news
2: but it was genuinely Uh, fake news
0: yeah it's genuinely fake news
2: that's what makes it more shocking he used it in correct content
3: McLaren situation right now they have Stoffel signed for next year but one Fernando Alonso has yet to
0: commit to renewing his contract and yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the season like so what the hell would happen if Fernando Alonso does not re-sign Lando
3: the Mando goes to F1 Lando
0: <laughs> yes please I'm here. On the, I, I am here for the Lando Norris hype train
3: yeah, he'll choo become, choo, motherfuckers! He'll become the <laughs> first driver since Max Verstappen to go straight from European Formula
0: Three to F one. Choo choo! Stuff Robert Kubica, get Lando Norris in F one. The man was running top tier times in the test, like, like Nando's best, like Lando's best lap time. Was well, apparently would, be, would have been good enough on the same tyre to qualify like 8th on the grid, like yeah. the guy is fast, he is lightning fast like, get him in there right now and he'd probably deliver for you and any guy named after Lando Calrissian should be in Formula 1 <laughs> immediately, <laughs> immediately so yeah, I am all aboard the Lando Norris hype train. like stuff the Kibitza talk Lando friggin Norris man Whew. Good lord, that man is shit hot. That could be the future of British influence in Formula One right now. Yeah, um, he's currently second in the European Formula Three
3: Championship, and yeah, I mean he has a good he has a good shot to win it. He's technically he's not a rookie since he did th- like one round last year, but for like all intents and purposes, he is a rookie.
0: Yeah. So again, Lando Norris probably would get probably get thrust in if Fernando doesn't resign and who knows maybe McLaren really do push through that idea of a works IndyCar team because the orange was so pretty um shut up Zoe (laughs) (laughs) um Yeah, like, again, who knows with Fernando Alonso, because, I mean, he's done his three years there at McLaren now, and it's amounted to a square root of fuck all, really, Um, and we all know Alonso is desperate for title number three, but which team would hire him at this point? I mean, like, Fernando Alonso is essentially damaged goods when it comes to top-level teams, like, we know Ferrari didn't work. Mercks don't trust him after the last time Merckx had a not so factory team in off in Formula 1, which by the way king, it was the 10 year anniversary of that moment earlier this week. Oh, damn. <laughs> Hungry 2007 and the qualifying incident seen around the world as Nando blocked off Hamilton from getting a qualifying lap in at the end, which apparently there was extra context to that I didn't know about. Apparently, Lewis Hamilton was holding Fernando Alonso up on a hot lap on the earlier in the session. Yeah. So, appar- so apparently, Alonso did that as revenge, basically, and that was the beginning of the end of the McLaren Hamilton Alonso Ron Dennis love triangle, mm-hmm. basically. So and...
3: secretly, it was Lewis's fault all along.
0: <laughs> Pretty much.
2: Well, well, I mean, he already there was already I don't know if they've ever confirmed, but there was rumours about how um, Fernando was giving was helping set up Lewis's car or giving. Like set up tips and all this, and when Lewis was having a good card, Fernando wasn't. Lewis wasn't giving anything back.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, there was always talk that Fernando wasn't happy, basically getting not being number one status in that team, mm-hmm. and Lewis Hamilton getting an unfair slice of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, that like I would have said to Alonso, didn't you see this coming? Like, they, like <laughs> he was hailed he was hailed as the prodigal son from the age of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, 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 like Alonso, you didn't see this coming a mile off. Like Jesus, should have watched um, more
3: Blue Peter, Alonso. <laughs>
0: It's a good, they're good shows, right? <laughs> um, so much yeah, like you can do a, with like, sticky
2: back plastic.
0: Yeah, man. You never, like, there's so much you can do with double sided tape, you have no idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just one of those things where you just go. Yeah, it was kind of Lewis's fault all along, which I thought was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Like, and very Lewis Hamilton, if I have to say. But um, yeah, funny. You never mentioned that in his first book. <laughs> can't can't possibly imagine why. But that pretty much is everybody for Formula One. Um, no, I unless... do the juicy part of this article, which is also on the
3: speculation side of Mark Hughes's article, was the. The, the doomsday scenario, if somehow Ferrari can't re-sign Sebastian Vettel. Oh lord. Where, what, what happens? Because you also have to realize that Mercedes have also yet to re-sign Valtteri Bottas, even though it's pretty much like confirmed, it's more
0: like they're waiting for Ferrari to re-sign Vettel before they re-sign Bottas. <laughs> So you're telling me you reckon Merckx would make a play for Sebastian Vettel if he somehow didn't re-sign? Yes and no. Like
3: there are like just the myriad of possibilities of Vettel going back to Red Bull. Then you have pretty much like Verstappen it's not going to stay with the team then. Verstappen it has options to go Verstappen you go to Ferrari, Verstappen you go to Mercedes
2: has happened can just go away please
0: yeah just 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 disappear like go back to formula three um yeah i just man i it's the doomsday scenario isn't it it's like what happens if you push the button yeah and... and
3: technically uh ferrari still has grosjean under contract
0: oh dear god yeah. like why that's that's the Johan Zarco to Suzuki contract of contracts and then <laughs> then
3: Ferrari would could actually get both of their young drivers in the Formula 1 with one of them
0: at Haas and one of them at Sauber but Ke- king we have to keep Kevin sucking my balls honey magnuson <laughs> Well,
3: he'll still be around. You just be partnered up with either Charles Clerk or Antonio Giovinazzi.
0: Yeah, sod that. be for Stappen, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, gosh, like, I don't think that will happen, King. I, I, I do genuinely think that Vettel will resign. I, I think that's a, I think that's a yeah. speculative one. Yeah. But um, gosh, anything else you want to drop from City Season, King? Uh, no, I think we're good. Uh, one silly of silly season note:
3: Pirelli might introduce a six tire compound next year.
0: Why? It's slightly
2: know. hard, but a wee bit soft in this corner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the asymmetric rear tire, like like we get in Moto GP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god it's 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 the wii soft option it's it's uh it's zoe's favorite new tire compound
3: (laughs) but i love how new pirelli f1 boss marlo izola he basically says he he basically says the reason to have a six tire compound is why not the fia aren't gonna say no
0: (laughs) that's not a reason to introduce Another tire compound? What? Because the FIA won't stop it?
3: Yeah, pretty. Like, <laughs> quote: "If I look at the regulations, the number of compounds is is our proposal to the FIA, and usually the FIA accepts because there's no reason to refuse. In fact, this year we homologated ten compounds. We have five base compounds and five backup compounds."
2: What? This thing had all ten just bring in all ten, ten, compounds. Dude, <laughs> 10 compounds
0: Dude, like, does pirelli have heston blumenthal in the back <laughs> cooking up new compounds like what, what is
1: this
3: i, this I is think ridiculous. this is like just pirelli's annual
0: we need to get back in the headlines please
1: <laughs> yeah
0: dear we, we might we might have six compounds why fuck it that's why because <laughs> you're gonna report about it <laughs> oh dear oh dear who knows um i don't don't know what pirelli is smoking and i god help us all um yay king a jamaican's won a sprint final oh it happened (laughs) omar mcleod wins the 110 meter hurdles there is hope for us all (laughs) doomsday has been avoided yes we have a gold medal we have a gold yes go jamaica (laughs) with these whole games are not a total bust omar mcleod didn't shit it thank god i Uh, I, I was
3: worrying there i thought jamaica was about to come with like a football nation for a moment
0: (laughs) we got a gold king we got a gold (laughs) yes omar you didn't blow it thank christ ah that is delicious right into the mailbag Thanks to everybody who's been sending us tweets on uh, at Motorsport One Hundred and One for all this good stuff. Um, much appreciated to all of you. Let's get into it. So, from from Button MK, okay, Evan, he goes, "Why does everyone? Why does every F ones 2016 career include Audi at some point?" <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm guessing is a not so serious question. Because, and the reason for that, Evan, is because F One YouTube has no really no like originality whatsoever to speak of. Um, simple yeah, as
3: that uh, yeah, S- simple, it's like everyone's like oh, we want Audi to be an F1 well, F1 YouTube's like we need a fantasy team in our in our, in our our career mode to be different than everyone else, might as well pick we'll just, Audi <laughs>
1: we'll,
0: we'll just mod one instead um, so yeah, that's pretty simple as that really um, but being serious who do you think will drive for Mercedes and Porsche's Formula E teams
3: ooh well, uh, let's see. If he's still around, I know Mercedes already have one driver they're already keen on having.
0: That is an interesting one, King. Like, like they—it's not—they're sort of the short of options.
3: Well, they already have one driver in the series already. Maro Angle. hes there. He's a factory GT driver for them. That could work.
2: Bring Simona back.
3: <laughs> Bring Simona back. <laughs> I think think Simona has, like, decided Australia is her home now for life.
2: Uh, MSR. Zoe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You just, like, like, thing is right now, like, you know what Zoe's gonna invest in next week? A telescope. She can see see, see Australia and just see, like, Simona's next surfing session.
2: I can see Australia (laughs) from my window!
0: (laughs) Yay! Hi, Simona! (laughs) (laughs) it's like, oh, that's a funny angle of the changing rooms. Oh so- my god! <laughs> yeah. That's too far. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> That'll probably be me. But still, <laughs> still um, gosh, who else could possibly drive for him? Still, hell, get get Lord Felix in there. If Lord ask
3: Felix, if-, if Lord Felix is fr- is free, that'd be <laughs> greatly appreciated.
0: Y- yes, please. Like, get Felix the factory drive he deserves.
3: <laughs> Even though technically he's driving for a factory right now in Formula E, but you know,
0: mm-hmm. steal him, Bu- buy his contract out. It's not like it's not like Mahindra might need a bit of cash, you know.
3: <laughs> I mean, you you could buy out his Mahindra contract. I don't think you could buy out a contract with one ship Ganassi.
0: True. Mmm. That could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh! So, so that, that so yeah, some interesting suggestions there. Let's let's shoot on a little bit here. Well, We've you, got a few questions. I oh, mean, on, oh, okay.
3: we, we, we we covered Mercedes fans, where our dream lineup would be Maro Engel and uh, Felix Rosenquist. On the Porsche side of things, well, they just shut down their entire LMP1 program.
0: Tandy, get Tandy in there. Get Tandy.
3: <laughs> get Nick Tandy. Like Lord Tandy. Tandy. And what, maybe Brendan Hartley. That's a team. Oh,
0: that
1: would be good.
0: <laughs> that's tasty. Oh, dear. That's that a very tasty looking team there. Porsche's not... Again, they're not, they could have Bamber in there, Hartley, Bernard, if he fancies it, you know. They're not exactly short of options. Like, they've, got, they've got plenty in there. So that seems very intriguing indeed. So, Shorty sent us a bunch of questions. So that's always fun. I'm not going to touch the IndyCar track one because we've been there before. Which F1 driver would you like to see in IndyCar next? Next.
3: That's like... I'm, I'm going to restrict this from what? Because what? That's that's not interesting. Everyone! Yet. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, realistically, who who isn't going to have a drive next year but isn't old enough to be retired? Mm, there's none
2: (laughs) Felipe's already said he wouldn't do ovals
3: oh yeah yeah sad bummer
0: Mm, Pascal? Pascal?
2: Pascal would be interesting
0: yeah stick him in the lights for a year see what he's got Mm -hmm. that could work Um...
2: I mean it does not buy for Chilton
3: so in- yeah, of course. Or maybe we could use another British driver. What, maybe no. we could use Julian Palmer? No. <laughs> no,
1: no,
2: no,
0: Julian Palmer would ruin everything.
2: We have had a good history of British recent history of British drivers at in IndyCar. I'm not having it destroyed by Julian Palmer.
3: But I mean, <laughs> let Hawksworth in.
2: Hawksworth was still decent.
0: You don't think Joe could be decent? No. Uh, I think Joe would be fine for what it's worth. I really do. I think jo- I think Johnny would be fine in IndyCar. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, no, but like, why? You... Do, like, why do we think Joni and Palmer is the world's worst driver because he's not as good as Nico Hulkenberg?
2: My one thing, like, with him having like constantly having that gap between him. Like, unless he done the, the year in Indy Lights, then maybe. But right. There's people- also
3: the option of having uh, an all-Russian team, having SMP Bank, give <laughs> SMP Bank a reason to have an all-Russian team. You can have Daniil Kvyat and Mikhail Lotion.
2: Oh, God. I don't think they could afford it. <laughs> i mean
1: oh, dear. we've
2: already had them bench up mikhail because he's like broken so much can you imagine combined with daniel
3: it could be it could oh, be the god. worst thing ever or the best thing ever
2: i'll let his face at the minute he pisses off will <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god
2: like it's not even well it'd yes. be damien
1: <laughs> hmm.
2: it's like we don't even care what Will says it's what damien would say <laughs> Yeah. Or Emma, <laughs> or Emma. You're,
1: you're, you're, you're just
0: saying that because you're seeing Damien on tour soon. Shh. She's gone surprisingly quiet at that force. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's squinting behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> a question from Shawnee asking: Is NASCAR broken beyond repair?
3: No. no. Like I'm being genuinely honest. No, it is not broken. Well, not broken beyond repair. They have <laughs> like you had to change that one quite quickly. It was like it's not broken. Oh, well, well, we can fix it. They they certainly have the drivers. Like right. despite Dale Earnhardt Jr. retiring, like if you're into young, active on social media drivers, NASCAR is probably your sport of choice.
1: Yeah,
0: that could work, I suppose. Um. They got they got the driving talent. It's I'm guessing this is more aimed at the politics, the viewership, the gimmicks of the of the cup format, and yeah, it's mainly the other stuff. yeah, it's
3: mainly the race and season format that is pretty much everyone's sticking points.
0: I mean- so, King, how would you how, how would you try and fix it?
3: Uh, oh, it's like I know this is gonna be the unpopular opinion, but I kind of like the stage format. Oh.
2: I don't think it works but, on the road courses, though.
3: Yeah, it doesn't work on road courses. Whoever decided, like, we're gonna bring it to road courses is a complete idiot. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, the chase needs to be completely rehauled. The chase is stupid. <laughs> there should Kill be... Kill it. Kill it with I fire. I the, the chase, the original chase works. The current, well, it's not even called the chase anymore. It's literally called the playoffs now.
0: Oh, for God's sake. Can oh. all playoff series in motorsport die? Like, seri- <laughs> like, seriously. Burn it down. There is nothing wrong with a seasonal points format. Stop trying to be hipster. But the it's thing like- is,
3: like, NASCAR had a genuine reason. With a 36 race calendar, you kind of needed something to keep you know, make sure the championship wasn't decided after race 20.
0: Oh, for God's sake. Like, NASCAR is such an open ended thing. It's like, honestly, in my opinion, it seems it's like it's really hard to be dominant in NASCAR. So when would that ever be a problem?
3: Uh, well, the chase was originally called the Matt Kenseth rule because Matt Kenseth was able to win the championship without winning a single race.
0: Ugh okay i guess you've got a point <laughs> but the way that like again the current format is stupid it's stupid it's confusing it's convoluted and it goes against the one thing that the drivers were aiming for and that was them trying to have more exciting racing and that's <laughs> not really how they, like like keselowski was sitting there saying oh yeah we think this is going to produce better racing and it's like it hasn't it just hasn't, like, like no you, you race just, has been more exciting because of two pauses in the middle of it. And <laughs>
3: it's not even like you—you you just made the race into like three shorter races.
0: In in what's already a thirty race, thirty-six race season, it's like having, it's like having a season of like a hundred and eight races. It's ridiculous. Um. But, yeah, you know, we've we, we, we spoken about the format at length. I mean, again, I've spoken about BSB's showdown format and why I'm not a fan of it either. But it's actually kind of working this year because the field's a lot more competitive, begrudgingly. Uh, more on that on Bike Live on Friday. Um, but, yeah, more on that later. One more, A couple of more fun questions here is that uh, Len, Len asks, if Prost versus Senna happened today, how would the media play it out?
3: Um, Frost Center played out today. That's that's hard, because about... It kind
2: of depends on whereabouts about you where wear. Your...
3: Yeah, because Be- I'm, like, thinking through this, because for the entire English-speaking world, they see F1 through the eyes of the British
0: media, so it's kind of... Who would the British media back? Well... Oh, come on now. Did you like. I saw my voice cut for a second there, but I was like, come on now, we all know who the British media would back. It would be S and C. Mm-hmm. Well, Are you sure can't... about that, though? Are you no, sure about but they kind of that.
2: did. They kind of did at the time, as well, because both my parents were huge Senna fans. Neither of them liked Prost. Like, my dad has kind of come to begrudgingly... Well, my mum still doesn't like him. My dad's kind of came to sort of I respect think... what he achieved, but it was Senna I mean, Yeah,
3: actually, taking a second thought about that, that makes sense, because Ayrton Senna raced in British Formula 3 while
0: Alan Prost did not. <laughs> but you've also and got... Remi- and, yeah, sorry, so, so go, go on, Zoe, sorry.
2: Senna raced for um, Lotus, and he raced for, it was Tolum, Lotus, and McLaren. So that's two... Lotus was sort of in its twilight years. McLaren so that was him with two British teams for most of, like, most of his career like, and then obviously went to Williams for what ended up being his last so he was kind of always in a British team so he'd have yeah. probably got from that Alan with him jumping kind of racing for lots of teams probably wouldn't have quite got the same backing so did, that's fair but, it, would, but again
3: like this is it's slightly in a vacuum, because we also have to realize that Nigel Mansell did exist at the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, well, this is just taking these two, their yeah. rivalry. Yeah,
0: the, th- the thing is, is like despite Nigel Mansell being British and generally well-liked, I don't ever got the impression that he was perceived to be on the level of Senna and Prost. Mm-hmm. Well... Despite Mansell being brilliant in his own right.
3: And <laughs> before that period, he almost won a world championship. He lost the world championship on the last day due to a mechanical failure.
0: Oh, yeah, like, trust me. We, we don't need reminding <laughs> that, the, you know, Nigel Mansell was a monster. Um f- Again, like, he, he raced in arguably the most stacked top-ended period in F1 history. But like I said, I think... I think it would have been Senna. I think they would. I think this would have played out very similarly to how we get this now, where I think, where, you know, Sky Sports love themselves Lewis Hamilton, and I think I think Hamilton versus Vettel is is playing out in a similar way to how I think Prost and Senna would have played out because Vettel is the guy that we don't take seriously. He's probably the most disrespected world champion on a level that we've ever had. I mean, again, like look at look at Benson's diagram from last week where Vettel is like nowhere near the middle of the diagram. And he's a four time world champion. And it's like I said somebody tweeted me, like, has any world champion ever had more disrespect in the media than Sebastian Vettel? And I'm thinking no because like this is a guy that is a top eight driver of all time on any level, on any measuring stick, and people still don't take him seriously. I mean, because he had the best car. Oh, I yeah. Mean, now I remember
3: why they don't like Alan... Like, why was specifically in Formula 1 they don't like Alan Prost. Because that's, like, the the two seasons before, like, Prost-Sena became a thing. Nigel Mansell finished second in the championship. Everyone remembers like, the... him it, losing out the last Yeah, the year before he lost the championship to Alan Prost.
0: Jesus. Yeah, that didn't help.
2: But, I mean, you can see how much the media plays a part now in our, like, even, like, going back to 101 earlier with Gatlin. Yeah. Like, how much the media affects our opinions now compared to, like, five, ten years.
1: Mm hmm
2: I mean, even when you think to, like... Like, even the whole... Lewis and Fernando at McLaren. I think that would have played out a lot worse if it happened now. And you've got to remember that the British media kicked up such a storm over Lewis coming second at Monaco that the FIA investigated McLaren. Yes. And that's before the media um influence that they have now, they managed to get that to happen.
0: God knows. yeah oh, that's <laughs> sorry. Like my entire timeline's in shock because the much hyped Lura Mirra and the watchman which just finished fourth in the fifteen hundred final. Oh dear, peak Britishness right here. <laughs> S- same deal, I guess. I suppose isn't it? Um, but uh, gosh have fun with that one but yeah like again it's it's, it's a very interesting question but i think for me Ayrton Senna would have ticked all the boxes for the british media because i think he is the embodiment of what we perceive a racing driver to be Mm -hmm. handsome guy you know big christian you know which again the the majority of britain were and a bit more on a hardcore level back then not so much now um of, of course the exciting racer ridiculous one lap specialist um you know, just the just the right amount of controversy to keep it interesting. Um, on top of all of that, I think Adam Frost, like Frost, will always go down as the underappreciated one because, of course, he wasn't the exciting pick. But we like he'll be the guy that we take more seriously in the long run because of Frost's achievements. Where you just sit back and you just go. Yeah, Prost was, like, the man for, like, a good 10-year period where, like, Prost was the dude to beat. Simple as that. And only a handful of guys ever did beat him in the end. And for me, I think I think it would have played out very similarly to how we're getting Hamilton versus Vettel right now. At least that's where I'm sitting from. Um, only, obviously, Prost in Vettel's position and Hamilton being Senna, because, of course... I
3: think, I think it would have played out more similarly if if it were Vettel v Robert Kubica instead of Vettel v Hamilton.
2: The other thing no, with Senna, I mean regarding it was, like, also there was the, the famous interview with Jackie Stewart, where he came out when Jackie pointed out that you've had, like, I can count how many times, like, the, the champions of my era had crashes. You've had many. What do you say to that? To which he responded, well, Jackie, like, and it was the, if you don't go for a gap, you're no longer racing. Yes. Like, he came out with that line that, that are gets quoted every time someone now does the dive bomb that fails think about how many dive bombs that have failed and then someone has came a a person that supports that person then turns around and says well if you don't go for that gap it's like the most hated quote in my
0: life Yes. Yes. oh I fucking hate that gap oh Jesus (laughs) So while my Twitter timeline goes for a state of British slash Scottish morning because all of a sudden Laura Mir is Scottish now, she hasn't won. Um, <laughs> one more question here from Tom Stanley. It came in right at the last minute, like about 10 minutes ago he sent this in. So well done, Tom. You timed this one very well. Um, interesting poll that came out. What do you guys think? Maybe a question for Motorsport What I Want to Answer in the mailbag. And it was a question from the... Um, bmmc which you may know as the british motorsports marshall club mm-hmm. and the poll was would race drivers benefit from being a marshal for a day
2: i said yes or now i voted
0: yes now i think there's a i think there's a small case of bias here if i'm being honest but <laughs> but the poll reads 96 percent say yes um I don't know, King. What do you reckon? Do you think drivers will work out better in the long run if they if they had a day as a marshal? Maybe they get get the perspective of the other side of the fence. Like,
3: oh god, I know we talked about this earlier, but it actually happened earlier this year. But the, the boys, that were
2: late. The yeah,
3: and the, the European Formula Three champion, I th- championship. I think it was Nikita Mazepin, and a couple of other guys were were late to the driver briefing, so they had to basically spend, uh, the morning with the marshals, preparing all the marshalling posts for that
0: day's events. Ah, I didn't know that. Jesus, but, that is interesting.
3: I don't know if it, like, if, like, it was punishment, but, you know, I don't know if it helped them or not.
0: Hmm. Well, I guess we'll never know. Um but Ooh, yeah it was interesting.
3: yeah it was the tree it was four drivers it was the the, th- the three drivers that carlin runs. so it was lando norris uh jan yarvula uh ferdinand habsburg and nikita meisopin
0: okay cool didn't didn't even realize that really neat that actually um Cool. Glad uh good let's get the other perspective of the other side of the defence because the Mar- being the marshal is such a you know, a, a special job and you know the majority of them are volunteers and such an important job All you know? of them are volunteers. Yeah, them. yeah. Yeah, my bad, all of them are. Okay, on to the Facebook questions. Thanks you guys for chipping in on the Facebook as well. Um Nick Higgins asks what national slash lower tier racing series do you guys follow?
3: Hmm. National Series. I don't...
0: Technically IndyCar, but like... Yeah. <laughs> technically it's as a, as a National Series.
2: IndyCar. Mm-hmm. And Delights. Um,
0: <laughs> IndyCar and the British Superbike Championship are probably my two. Um, yeah, big fan of BSB as well. Um, good question from... Keller Kalamenis, sorry if I butchered your name. I know you're a big fan. I, like again, if I, if I butchered your name, I sincerely apologise. I'm bad with names. Um, what's your opinion on the F1 2017 game from what we've seen so far? I'm I'm really digging this. Like I've I think I've seen the trailers. I think it looks superb. I'm annoyed at how good it looks. Whew. Mm. I don't know about you, King. Uh,
3: definitely looks good. Career mode. Is finally got it a much needed overhaul, but besides that, I'm still on the fence about it. Like it, it looks fairly similar to last year's game. Besides the new cars, obviously because of the 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 regulation changes, but the game looks fairly similar to last year's game. It
0: does. I mean, you're never gonna move the needle that much graphically from year to year on these consoles. Maybe not till. Oh, I mean, to be fair, I've been talking that the Xbox version will be. Xbox X compatible, so uh, we'll get the benefits of the more powerful Xbox One if you're that, if you're on that side of the console spectrum. So that might be one to look forward to later in the year, um, November time when that new console comes out. Um, but I'm very impressed. I love where the R and D is going. I like the greater emphasis on race management and engine management. I think that's going to be very intriguing as career mode plays out. I mean, it looks like they've done they've done career mode over, and you go. I liked the 2016 R&D format. I'm glad they've taken it one step further. Um, I like the classic cars being involved. again. It just feels like a more well-rounded 40-quid, 50-quid package. As opposed to some of the other games where it's career mode and not much else. It's like um, career
3: mode, which is a series of one-off races that just happens to have points tied to them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, better that than you know, um, something that actually feels like a proper backbone mode rather than just, oh, it's just more races. Um, I'm glad there's, there's more depth to it than this year. So I'm, li- I'm really looking forward to it. Like, Brother Ryan has already bought it for me on pre-order, so I'm very happy for him right now. So thanks, Ryan. Really appreciate that. Uh, so looking forward to playing that when it comes. I think it's August 25th that comes out. So. Um, but we're, Mario we're Kart will always
2: be the superior racing game.
0: Go away! Just... <laughs> 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 Like, you, like, there is no better game at making you hate people than Mario Kart. That like, is why it's serious. superior. No, it's <laughs> not superior. Like, like. Although no, to be fair, I have strangled my brother on many occasions over games of Tekken, so I can I know the feeling. Um, if, if you want to get people around the table to hate each other, just play Monopoly. Um, <laughs> oh trust me, I know. Um... Uh, Murray Stewart asks, in your opinion, can Kimi Raikkonen win a race this year? And if so, where does he do it? Spa. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, no, there's nothing more Kimi Raikkonen than a win at Spa, right? Um, no? Maybe? Mm, yeah.
3: I'm not sure, man. I, th- I don't see Unless <laughs> Sebastian's
2: out. Sebastian has to be out.
3: Probably. It's like man, it's been ages since Kimmy's actually won a race.
0: What Australia 2013, right?
3: Yes, and well, before that, four years. Yeah, before that, Abu Dhabi the year before, and then and then before
0: that was Spa in 2009. So he's had three race wins in the last eight years. Yes, Jesus, not think he's winning a race this year. I don't, I mean, because you know what, it's going to get to a point where he's going to have to roll over for Seb in the championship battle anyway, and they're not going to let Kimmy win a race, and Kimi has already openly said that if he's mathematically ineligible, he'll help Seb win the title, he's already come out and said that, so, yeah, like, didn't. I don't think he's good enough to win a race in this current climate, really, because I think Daniel Ricciardo is the opportunity guy in the field, it's, not, it's never really been Kimi, and, because Seb's just better than him right now, and if he gets too late in the season, he'll be expected to roll over for him anyway. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, so that, at least that's how I see it right now. Um, so yeah, that's that's me anyway. It's, I don't think he's going to. The only way it's going to
2: happen is if Sebastian's out. If Sebastian's in out of a race, then they're going to. That'll be the only time really. Kimmy's going to have a chance to win because they will want him to get maximum points. So Sebastian has to be out. Or something's happened to his car, so he's far down the field. In which case, they want Kimmy to take as many points as he can.
0: Mm -hmm. Mhm. Also, I might send this over as a voice clip for RJ to answer at some point because I know he's not with us today, but he is around and whatnot. Because he was, he asked us a Super GT related question from Connor Pink, who asks, "Why do Japan have such a weird and dangerous way of recovering cars during Super GT? They have recovery cars on a wave the yellow track. I personally hate it." Um, I
3: don't even think I'm that's is gonna...
0: a Japan thing. Like, I know that happened in, like, German Formula
3: 4, and, like, Sophia Flourish had to, like, drive off track to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I hold my hands up on this one. I'm not sure why this happens across the board. I, I've always raised an eyebrow at elements like this, especially in the wake of more tragic accidents of recent times where recovery vehicles were on circuit when they probably shouldn't have been. Um, it, it goes on. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant trend in motorsport. If RJ's got any two cents to pass on, you might, I might edit a voice clip in with him right about now. So um, keep, an, keep an eye on that. But um, that'll do it, you guys. We're done. We are finished here. Um, and we, you actually just about are going to be about two hours here no
3: because of your little detour we are definitely under two hours
0: yes yeah i guess it was it was it was guess it was a longer break maybe once you put all the intros in and shit (laughs) what actually turns out now probably not actually (laughs) um but yeah um gosh we 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 made that one last um just a quick bit of housekeeping before we go as mentioned you can find us on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 or on Twitter, at motorsport underscore 101, at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at Wee Zoe um, And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 Five dollars back and gets you early access to both this show and to Bike Live, which will be out later this week, reviewing Bruno and BSB at Fruxton. So, from me, Andre Harrison, from Ryan King and Zoe Hamilton, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next
1: time. Sayonara.
2: bye Bye. Bye. Bye!
1: Woohoo! See you, Ragazzi! You've already got to done it, mate. I cannot believe it. You are the world champion!